0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Hell's Kitchen. Tonight, today, whenever you're listening to this, it's timeless. I bring you an old standard and an old favorite. His name, Don Melton. Yo. And somebody new to Hell's Kitchen, who I'm very excited to have on, James Thompson.
1: If I take a night off from podcasting, people get hurt. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Now,
2: James,
0: you're new to Hell's Kitchen now. So I always like to kind of bring people up to speed. Like, where's your interest in Daredevil?
1: Well, that's an interesting one because I think my first experience of Daredevil was actually watching the movie. Um, I had not read any of the comics at the time and uh, so I watched that and I thought it was fairly average Uh, and then I watched the Electra movie which was even worse and uh, then I went back and I read some of the the Frank Miller of Daredevil at the time and then uh, yeah then the the series uh, the last Netflix series came out of nowhere for me and I watched it and I really loved it. And so now we're sitting down for the second. Wow. So, so you, so you didn't read yeah, any of the comics when you were a kid or anything? Or... Well, that, that, that's a, a, it's an interesting thing because I really didn't read any sort of American comics growing up. Uh, in the UK, there was a, a big comic called 2000 AD, which spawned many uh, talents that went on to work in America. And that was Judge Dread and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Judge Dread is an interesting parallel to The Punisher, but we'll come back to that. Uh and so that's what I I I read. And I read the occasional sort of Superman comic or Wonder Woman comic or something like that. But to me it was it was the British comics, which is what I grew up on. Uh, so I came back to all that stuff reasonably recently, like in the last ten years of sort of and then discovering that there was this whole world to explore of things i hadn't so, read.
2: so just out of curiosity as a completely throw things off the rails were you familiar with alan moore's uh british
1: comics like marvel man yeah um i wasn't familiar with that i was familiar with some of the stuff alan moore had done cuz i'm pretty sure he had worked on 2000 AD as well oh yeah yeah he did uh, and uh yeah i and but it not at the time it, it was it was purely a coming back and reading things uh later on wow that's... that was
0: under the that was under the epic brand was it not
2: uh you got me okay. <laughs> i think so i think so but uh i i only have a scattering of um familiarity with british comics from from that era i mean i i read a lot and You know, to refresh people on my Daredevil background, my Daredevil background starts with Daredevil number one back in the 60s. That's what I read. And I actually got out of comics for a while during uh, uh, Frank Miller's heyday. So I'm not as familiar, believe it or not, with uh, the Frank Miller Daredevil as, uh, say, you are, Philip. So.
0: Well, that was that was what I came in on. So you know that was the the the, the twisting of my life by Frank Miller.
2: <laughs> That's a good way to put it. But yeah. I'm like I'm like fifty years older than everybody else. So you'll you'll learn <laughs> so.
0: so we're starting with episode one, bang! And due to popular demand people kind of got to me and said, hey, what if you did individual episodes rather than triples? I said, well, it can happen if we have the right teams. And tonight, I believe we have that right team.
2: So, sure, sure, now. and I'm in for any of the others if you want to do them, providing, of I, course. <laughs> providing but, I can actually watch all the episodes, because uh, we were talking before the show started, I've only watched the first seven. These two uh, guys have seen everything in season two, they marathon, and they are very nicely, not sp-
1: they're not spoiling it for me, damn them. <laughs> yeah, we're not, we're not going to tell you anything that happens even beyond this first episode yeah. in this C- podcast. It yes, cannot
2: yes.
0: happen. So we're going to keep it fairly spoiler-free. Well, we are going to keep it spoiler-free, not even fairly. Um, But we are introduced to Matt and Foggy. Well, actually, no. This one starts out with Daredevil doing his Daredevil
2: things. In his Daredevil suit, which we really only saw in episode 13 of uh, the first season. Right, so, and it's, and it, before the credits roll, you know, the the liquid red credits, the, those lovely credit sequence, Ugh. you get the whole, you get the whole Daredevil hero shot right there, you know, he's standing on the rooftop
1: smiling. One of the things, he's listening in on everybody um, in the city, and there's a, a radio gets picked up, and it says there's a hundred degree heat wave, and they mention it about ten times in the episode, how hot everything is. Um and I looked it up because I was I was trying to work out, you know, is this just because, you know, it's a heat wave or, you know, setting the scene? Or was it really cold when they filmed it and they were just saying that everything was really hot? <laughs> um, but it it was filmed in July in New York, so I'm assuming that it was actually Whoa. pretty hot. Yeah. What hell's um, kitchen? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I actually had to look up what 100 degrees was because, you know, 100 degrees means nothing over here. 38 degrees centigrade. Yes. Um, so but so
0: thirty thirty eight centigrade is
2: equivalent to a hundred degrees?
1: Yes, in Fahrenheit. By the huh. way,
2: by the way, James, there's no such thing as centigrade. That's Celsius. <laughs> just
1: just giving you a shit.
2: <laughs> just giving you a shit. No, it's uh and by the way, uh have you guys ever looked at a map of New York or been to the area? Uh it actually does get very, very hot. In uh, Hell's Kitchen because it's it's right uh, there next to the river, and what they're talking about is not just the heat; it's the humidity. It it gets very Mm. humid there, so in the summer, it's not a pleasant place to uh, uh, to be. So, Daredevil's
0: yeah, Daredevil's running down uh, a a band of criminals, and one of the you know, Daredevil has some really great really great violence you know, if you want to call it great violence, but some of the (laughs) shots like where these perpetrators are shooting the cops, like there was one as I I was rewatching where it literally knocked the cop right off her feet. It was really hellacious.
2: Yeah, I was thinking uh, the stunt person really was uh, sucking up the Advil after that one. (laughs) Did anybody have...
0: An issue with what happened to the last one. I mean, he takes the girl hostage into the church, and then there's gunshots.
2: Oh,
1: uh, did Daredevil shoot the gun? No, no, I was assuming he was being shot at. But
2: yeah, and
1: but, but who they're... shot him?
2: The guy tried to hit him. I'm sure he just dodged the uh, bullet. Uh, literally dodge the bullet, but you'll notice that when they do the pull-out shot from the ch- uh, church, I thought it was odd that the guy was laying on the ground in a pool of blood, almost as if he'd shot himself. Uh,
0: <clears throat> yeah, that just seemed really strange to me.
2: Yeah, so it, it was a little uh, it was a little confusing there. <clears throat> now, did you notice who directed uh, this? I didn't. It's Phil Abra- uh, Abraham who di- directed the uh, uh, Into the Ring and Cut Man, the first two uh, in the first season, and he's also directed the first two in the second season. So that there's a lot of visual continuity and and feel here, which is which is very nice. I'm I'm really glad they got Phil Abraham back. But you know, we have new whole new showrunners this season. Uh Stephen S. DeNight, uh I believe he was showrunner last season, right? Uh I think so. He, yeah, he's he's not here. So the first two episodes were written by the new co-showrunners, uh Douglas Petri and Marco Ramirez. And you may remember Douglas Pe- uh Petri from uh uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. In fact, he actually appeared in a Buffy the Vampire Slayer uh, episode, uh, season six, uh, the musical episode. He's the guy who's right, saying, yeah. "He's the guy who's saying, you know, they got the mustard yeah. out." You know. Uh, so he's uh, he's a middle-aged dumpy guy, which I really respect because so am I, or I was at the time when I saw that. <laughs> uh, and so uh. He's got a lot of uh, Buffy, Angel, and other uh, good DNA there. Then again, he's also responsible for the original uh, Fantastic Four movie. So, you know.
0: Ooh, <laughs> wow! Well, we can't all win at all yeah, times. Yeah, it can't
2: all win. But I'm not. I'm not actually familiar with Marco Ramirez. Do you guys know who, what he's done before? No, oh, no, man.
1: not off the top of my head. Oh, wow. Nope. So the team,
0: the team is back, and it looks like Foggy's still worried about his, his buddy Matt as they're walking in this 100 degree heat. Um, and when we yeah. see Karen too, as well,:
1: Yeah, I thought that there was, as they were walking up the street, you know Foggy was sort of saying he has uh, wingman problems, and Matt isn't there enough for him, you know, uh, and this seemed to be foreshadowing. Um, oh, yes. was going to happen in the rest of the season uh but there was the line and he said you know that's the tragedy of you being blind you've never seen me dance and i thought he should have responded well yes i have have you forgotten i've got superpowers and can pretty much see perfectly <laughs> um, which is fascinating
0: because they didn't use the 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 basically matt's kind of flame like as he sees the world the world in flames it's they've they've chosen a different way to personify or interpret his power. It becomes more of this um, tilt shift.
2: Yeah, yeah, they're they're not doing the world on fire thing. I and I suspect one reason of that is the effect, which was used. I think in that was first used in episode four, episode five of the first season is probably really damn expensive. I mean cuz you got to model the whole, every actor and all the stuff in the scene and you've got to do that effect. It's not a it wasn't a cheap solution that they used in that episode. Um so I suspect that uh, that's why. Uh, just as an aside, did you guys notice how much taller um uh Elden is than uh Charlie uh as they're walking down the street? I mean he's like a whole inch taller. <laughs>
0: It's I mean, funny you mention that because watching today uh on the rewatch, I was like, Wow, Charlie's pretty
2: short. Yeah, he's not a tall man. He's not a tall man, so and which is kind of funny because um uh, uh cause Deborah Ann Wall is also, I think, slightly taller than him. She's a very tall lady. So
1: Well, just as an aside, we had um Anna Jarvis from uh Agent Carter. The actress was living underneath us for uh, a couple of months because she was filming Outlander in Scotland. And so she kept getting deliveries uh, to her apartment and she was never in, so we'd always get them. So she would come up to get the deliveries and she's tiny. And it's like, (laughs) on Agent Carter, she looks, you know, tall. And I I think that it's, uh, there's this illusion of all these people being really tall. And actually, if you see them in real life, they're probably not that much taller than you or shorter. I I,
2: I totally uh, I totally believe that. I wonder if... Um, uh, uh, I get the impression that uh, Elandi uh, Young, who's one of the... I won't say who she is because she doesn't appear in episode one. She's one of the actresses in this season of Daredevil. Uh, she's a very thin uh lady, but uh I get the impression she's not all that tall either because uh Charlie seems to be taller than her
1: hmm. Char- interesting so i would not well, i'm not that. gonna put i'm not gonna pull up i m d b at the moment while we're doing this and look up heights. <laughs> Do they put that in IMDb? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all in IMDb. I do that regularly because uh, wow. I'm not a tall person myself, so I always like to know. You know, am I taller than this person, or am I not? So, see, you if know, somebody
0: that's six four, I always know that I'm probably going to be taller.
1: Yeah, I'm more like five six. So, uh, you know, that's I,
2: I. This is really funny, and maybe this is some weird thing wrong with my brain, but I never really think about height differences with real people I know. (laughs) Uh, I think about it with, you know, people in movies on television. I don't know why, but it just it never occurs to me because I'm like, you know, Joe, uh, Joe average. I'm like five eleven. And so um, it, it just doesn't. You know, some people are slightly taller than me. Some people are slightly shorter than me. It just doesn't, it's kind of, it's all a blur after a while. So. But I thought that well, was really I think really if, you're a,
1: if you're at either extreme, then I think you start to notice. Ah, <clears throat> probably.
0: Now, Karen gives, gives everybody the, the good news and the bad news. Yep. Which is, hey, we got a lot of clients, but they pay in strawberry rhubarb and bananas, and <laughs> they're broke.
1: I, I like that Karen said um, she's using a free trial of some accounting software, using a fake email address every yes. 30 days <laughs> to reactivate it. And firstly, I thought, well, that's some badly written software right there that she can do this. And secondly, s- stealing software is wrong, Karen. You shouldn't be doing it, especially if you're using it for your day-to-day work.
2: Oh, get off your your independent <laughs> software developer
1: soapbox. It's but the kind I've... of th- I, I,
2: but how many people yeah. do you know do this shit too? I thought that was probably the most realistic, geeky thing I'd seen in a television show in weeks,
1: actually. Yeah, no, I did, I did actually think that as well, but I, I just thought it was funny. Yeah.
0: Now, I do have a question, and this really, James, becomes your wheelhouse. Okay. Because from this scene, we go to... The Irishman having a dark deal and having this meeting of of one family and the term shite <laughs> is used. I use it just because I think I think it sounds provincial and it makes me sound a little different with instead of just saying drop in the E, but it's not really used any other time and these guys don't have heavy accents and yeah I- i'm wondering what's your take on that
1: well you know um obviously i'm scottish uh but i lived in ireland for four years uh so i have some experience of this And both in uh scotland and ireland shite uh with an e would be exactly what you would use um uh shit is a bit more upper class I would say. <laughs> really now <laughs> yeah so you know i i'm trying to think if if you're familiar at all with the um, comedian billy Connolly, oh yeah you would have a a, a a perfect pronunciation on that uh but yeah i did think that the, their accents weren't particularly strong on the irish mobsters and the thing that bothered me the most on it was when well we're we're, we're skipping ahead slightly but uh, when the guy's phone goes off afterwards, and it's this—the ringtone is some stereotypical Irish fiddle music. I was <laughs> thinking, <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. We get that they're Irish, you know. You don't, you don't actually need to do that. And I, I suspect that no actual Irish mobster in New York would have that on their phone as a ringtone.
2: Yeah, that was a that was a little uh, inc- incongruous, but with all the devastation blood and everything there it was actually
1: funny yeah i don't know it was funny it was, it was just uh they they were sort of like turning into the stereotype a little bit. and it
0: almost looked like we were going to have kind of a godfather moment we you know we had this big soliloquy about the power vacuum since the kingpin is left and uh some people uh, maybe worked for the kingpin in this family. And then somebody gets a drop eye. Um And I thought, well, somebody's going to get whacked here. And then we move along just before this war zone breaks out.
1: Well, it did um, look like he was swinging the bottle. And it looked like he was I, about to hit the guy with it. Yeah, yeah. I was convinced of it. Yeah, because it almost pre-flighted
2: the thing that we're not going to talk about in another <clears throat> episode. Uh, mm. i think it was an uh, episode 2 uh some uh something that happens uh where one of the other mobsters uh, tackles one of the uh uh the other mobster there so i was i was if curious I can, if I, I can
1: name drop slightly there um the, the actor who plays the the mobster in the episode which we're coming to uh he's scottish and he went to my school he was a couple of years ahead of me in school i discovered this only uh, a few weeks ago but anyway oh really
2: wow yeah Wow. Uh oh. so I thought this was interesting because I recognized some of the character actors in this scene in Bang sitting around her and I thought, oh well these guys are gonna be here this season. And then of course, you know, the bullets start flying through the window and everybody's dead, except uh of course one. Yeah. Our and, our old man Grotto. Yeah, who uh I forgot <clears throat> is actually a character from the uh uh, the Marvel comic book universe.
1: Yeah. He was I, in the Frank Miller run, I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, which is interesting.
1: <clears throat> they're cho- the way they're choosing
0: their characters and what they want to pluck from the universe.
2: Yes. And when they make, uh, when they make modifications <clears throat> to them, like they did, uh, you know, various gender changes or, uh, uh or, racial or ethnic changes or things like that. Uh, uh a lot of those decisions mostly for the MCU I think have worked out very, very well. Uh mm, yeah. it makes the makes the characters more interesting. Because for me it doesn't matter to me if it's not like the comic book I read when I was a kid. I kind of got off that anal retentive stick years ago because you don't you know you want people to re-explore things and reinvent things. In one way, you think of these uh, these series like these as as rebooting uh, those myths, and I think they're doing a good job. But one thing I want to get back to in the beginning of the episode and the feel for this episode, one thing that struck me early on is it, is you could have taped episode one to episode thirteen from the first season, and they had. It had the same feel to it. It was very familiar. It was the same vibe. You know, Hell's Kitchen was a character again. You know? Uh, very
0: much so. Very much it so. Was,
2: it was a lot of familiarity. <clears throat> and the tone of the three main characters Matt, Foggy, um, and Ms. Page, and Karen, uh, they were internally consistent. There wasn't anything. A big and different. And as we move through the episode uh, you know, as we get to, you know, we meet Brett again. Uh, uh, who's the cop. Uh, and some of the other characters like, well, wow. Those. Yeah. Everybody's back. It's. And, you know, uh, they're mentioning Wilson Fisk and uh, you know, talking to him and, and you know, uh, Turk is in this uh, episode too. Right. So it's like, oh, yeah, it's, you know, I'm just watching episode 14 of season one. That's what I got. And that is, that's a good thing to me.
1: I've seen some people complaining online about that, saying that it is just far too much of the same thing again. But I, I don't think that's well. I, don't think that's I a have, good
2: thing. yeah, I have this to say to those people, and I want them to take it the right way. They're assholes, so <laughs> <laughs> there we have it. There we have it. <laughs> so, no, I mean, you know, it's uh, that's Send a good. All thing. Comments <laughs> to at
0: dot melton, <laughs> yeah,
2: on Twitter. Um, no, it's uh, because it's a storytelling technique. Because when you do diverge from that feel. Then that's an important thing. And later on, which we won't talk about now because we don't want to spoil or get ahead of ourselves, they do diverge. And that's a very well, useful thing.
0: And, and I really appreciate that bringing us into the same realm because then you can do subtle things like when everybody's at the bar and Karen gets really close to Matt and it's okay. It's not overbearing, and in fact, you know, she's smitten with him, and we kind of knew that even, you know, even from the beginning, but now it's sort of acted upon, and we know Matt knows because, obviously, he can hear her uh, heartbeat and flutter.
1: Yep. There was a scene, the scene in the bar, I thought it was interesting, because earlier when they were walking down the street, um, Foggy says that he's... uh, told her that Matt has a drinking problem as a, as a reason for all his sort of uh, bumps and bruises and cuts and things. And so the first thing she's doing is going off and buying him drinks. And I was like, you're not really a good friend there. You haven't <laughs> even said anything to him. And you're, you know, you've been told he's got an alcohol problem and you're say, so, Oh, I'm just going to buy you a drink. Anyway. Well, it gave her the opportunity to get a
0: little closer.
1: Yep, yep. Yeah, it, I think there's inappropriate work uh, behavior. We need to a dial colleague. HR. Yeah, I think so. I think that. It, the, the thing that bothered me is it, I mean, it kind of just seemed a little forced that she was so into him, but... Uh, well, we will we'll not talk about what happens later on again. So. But and then yeah. but
0: but you know, Foggy did call him on it very quickly. So it wasn't as if this is a
1: secret. Yeah. And uh I like that he could pick up on that. I mean, he had a crush on her as well. So, you know, it's it's nice that he, you know, and and Matt just says, you know, oh, she wanted to teach me. Hmm. Yeah.
2: I I think that sort of threesome thing is is going to be Really interesting to see how they play that out over the seasons. By the way, didn't he? But you know, speaking of familiarity, that uh, Susan Verin was back as Josie, the uh, the owner of the bar.
1: No, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, she's a. But I think it's because everything just looks the same. You just it feels right, so you don't think about it. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Except except for one person now. Somebody in the bar shouldn't be
2: there. Yes. And uh, uh, Grotto, uh, who I can't remember who the hell plays him, but I've seen him in like 50,000 other TV shows.
1: So... Yeah. He's very observant because he says, you must be the blind one.
0: Yes. Yes. But I thought the the pretense of getting him involved and, and wanting witness protection and whatnot, I was like, that's pretty... It's pretty heavy stuff for this, you know, underling to ask for. But it was it was kind of interesting. Again, it kind of filled us in a little bit, if you hadn't watched season one, that Matt can tell who's lying and who's not and who to trust and who, who not to, what kind of cases we should or shouldn't take.
1: Right. Yeah, there was a thing about that. When um, he was saying, you know, oh, I didn't really do anything bad. I was just, you know... Uh, running packages or just you know doing sort of very minimal bad stuff and i want a second chance and i didn't understand why matt didn't pick up on this because well there's the, the certainly implications that maybe he's not quite as uh low level or what shall we say uh and Cause somebody yeah, wants and it, to kill him yeah yeah and uh it they they as they keep saying through the episode it's an army there's a heavily armed military paramilitary army that is is out there yeah
0: and so the the information gathering goes out and that's when uh daredevil we haven't even seen daredevil since the first minute goes out to Turk and braces him and really <laughs> kind of tears them apart to get some information on uh who's 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 sucking up the power vacuum.
2: Yeah. And I think that's a uh I think that's a, a good scene because uh you get a lot of backfill on what's been going on in the gap between the seasons. Yeah. Hmm. You know, more information. It's like when they go in before that, when they have the uh, scene with uh, Brett and Daredevils hearing the cops talk inside, and you notice how uh, uh, Royce Johnson as as Brett, he picks up on that Matt's listening and stuff, and he he tells him to he tells the other cop get them to quiet down in there, and then he takes him over to the backside to tell them the other information, which is basically almost no information, right? And then sends them on their way. It's a, it's a good cop tactic. But why, dare to, why was dare, Brett
0: so upset with them? He's always upset
2: with them because he doesn't trust them. Well, he them. gave
0: him cigars the other day.
2: You know, right. early on in season one. No, no, they gave him cigars for his mom. Right. That's
0: right. That's right. They were yeah. so they were kind of quote bribing him.
2: Yeah, and he always thinks they're bribing him. Uh, so, uh, but he knows that there's something up weird with Matt, right? So he's just trying to get uh get rid of them too. And there's that great li- uh line where uh Foggy says uh what does he say my man and Brett says yeah. did <laughs> you just say my man you know trying to be hip it's just hysterical i was i was
1: uh seriously right. laughing
2: out loud at that
1: and then he follows it up with you can trust us we're lawyers yeah. which
2: which 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 uh which is really funny because in the scene following um Daredevil's scene with Turk, Matt's you know, Matt beating up on Turk, Foggy has his scene, and I swear to God I thought he was gonna say that line again to the bikers. You know, <laughs> you can trust me, I'm a lawyer. Uh it's it's like Foggy doesn't get it. It's not a noble profession, right? So did, did the whole
0: dogs
1: of hell scene was that off or I am thought, I I, th- yes. I thought it was a good scene I mean I thought it was in I mean it was it was again it was playing on stereotypes so you've got the this biker gang that were apparently previously mentioned in Agents of Shield I don't know if it's a general Marvel wide thing or just a sort of yeah. MCU TV reference um but I thought it was a good scene because I thought it was um foggy basically being uh, brave and sort of going in okay. and getting the information. Um, well, yeah, how did it, you think it was off? Yeah, it was
2: like background characters from Sons of Anarchy, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. So, but uh, it felt authentic. If have you guys have ever been in a place like that, uh, one of those bars? You've met me. You know I haven't. Oh might have. Phil, have you been in uh at a place because you know i i think i've
0: been in places similar to that where um i don't think i got through the door and it was like mm, you don't need to come in here yeah and so for for, for foggy and this becomes uh, you know now i think about it don you bring up a great point and james with the this is a character build you know we're building on what foggy may be coming and that mm. that strength of character.
2: Yeah, because uh, what you'll do is you'll see that uh, that character in later episodes when he's up against the D.A. or he's in court and he's incredibly lucid, articulate and spunky. Right. So they planted seeds.
0: Yeah, essentially.
2: Plus, plus in a way, you know, part of that is like it's a competition in a way between him and Matt, too. I mean, they are competitive guys with each other.
1: Well, and Karen as well, because she's, she goes off and does lots of stuff on her own um, and is trying to prove herself as well. And in this
0: episode, I mean, when you talk about, I mean, the big, the big kind of hot topic is, um, I don't like this word, but I'm going to say it anyway, uh, women with agency. She mm. really goes over the top Um, especially in this episode, she creates a completely fictitious backstory to help Grotto, um, not be whacked.
2: I thought that was an absolutely fabulous scene. It's just, uh, it's, that could have just been like a cast off, but it's their interaction and the script was so good there. I I liked
1: her line—the kind of slide into bed, sweetheart, and settle in. Yeah, Mm -hmm, yeah, that was mm -hmm. great.
2: That was great. No, it it, was—you know—just it. The thing is, is like you have you at the back of your mind. You always remember, oh yeah, this is a superhero story, but it it's very grounded in reality and in grit, and it could just as easily be, um if there is such a thing, a really good episode of Blue Bloods, right? You know, or um, uh, what is Law and Order or something like that. It's it's like a cop show in hey, some well, ways. Well, it's interesting.
0: You, yeah, you brought Blue Bloods, which I wouldn't have watched, but my wife went on a tear, and so I began to watch it. But very interestingly enough, you know, each Matt gets some information. Foggy gets some information that the dogs of hell have um been hit and attacked by this this you know uh army and then well a dog gets let off the chain but we uh it's very interesting that they're all gathering information that that we know but they don't they haven't put it all together yet
2: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean it's a detective show right in some I ways, it's, it's better than uh, uh, some of the Batman movies, right? Because it's real. Ooh. Yeah. Well, no, in the sense that you're, you've got True. a...
1: You're right. Yeah. It, it, it's a complex story. Given that I've just come out like an hour ago of seeing Batman versus Superman, you know this is a hundred times better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's there's some interesting things which we can possibly reference in that, because um, in uh, in the film, and this is not really a spoiler, um, Batman doesn't seem to have his rule about not killing people, and he's basically the punisher. So, uh, it's kind of an an interesting view, but it's a terrible, terrible film. Okay,
0: well, we're not spoiling anything for anyone, because... If you were at least somewhat interested in season two, you know that the Punisher is coming and it's, you know, Shane from The Walking Dead. And I don't remember his name right off the bat. Don will. And <laughs>
2: <laughs> you don't remember <laughs> Joe Bernthal yes. uh, uh, rather John Bernthal. And uh it, not just from The Walking Dead. He uh, remembered two years ago, Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, he was also I never in that. saw it. Oh okay. He was in
1: Eastwick as well. I yes, think. yes, yes, yes. So. Uh, uh, but he was also apparently in one episode of How I Met Your Mother. And if you go back and watch it, it's very funny after having seen this. Well, because he look he does not look like a, a a psychopathic uh uh vigilante.
2: No, no, I I mean if you actually talk to the uh if you listen to the actor uh talking, he's he's a very normal nice person. In fact, he um he runs a benefit organization uh, with his brother, who I believe is some medical or legal professional or something. And they do, they've do they done this thing for years to help people out and stuff like that. So he's, he's like kind of a sensitive, touchy-feely guy, but he plays these scary badasses really well. And he's a real method actor, which apparently also uh, Charlie Cox is, right? They just totally get into the roles and... And uh, John was talking about you know on set that they stayed in character like the entire time. They're not off playing with their iPhones or you know joking around or backslapping or whatever. They're like, you know, they're 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 Daredevil and the Punisher when they're on set. Uh, as uh, Brenthal said, most of the other characters are. It's like a, uh, it's a. It's a very focused group of people. So he's uh, he's a, he's very intense, and he. I don't want to zip all the way to the end, but at the end you know why the episode is titled "Bang," don't you?
1: <laughs> yeah, indeed. But at this point, we we still believe that it's an army, and Daredevil is sort of shaking down all these various trees, and he goes after the. Um, the cartel people uh, in a slaughterhouse, which I thought was an interesting scene.
0: Wow, and he, they can linger on a shot and just make it just sink in on this on this particular sequence.
1: And he it, just walks slowly through the whole thing, past all the 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 TV and stuff that's on, and then past all the the racks of meat. By the and way, on that the TV,
2: to- the TV, I was listening to the uh, the dialogue in Spanish. Oh. And picking up on it, but I was trying to figure out what that's from. If any of the listeners know what that's from, can you let me know on Twitter? I would really appreciate it. Because I've been looking online to see if anybody's figured it out. Because if Douglas Petrie has anything to do with an episode, it's an inside joke.
0: Mm-hmm. That's
2: just the kind of guy he is. That that the The Spanish language on top of... I suspect an English language episode is going to be, it's going to be a show that one of them, either the producers, the director, you know, the writers have been involved with before. So if anybody knows what that inside joke is, uh, please let me know. But yeah, uh, by the way, did you notice something that Phil Abraham did with the direction when uh, Daredevil is walking through the meat and, you know, Matt's blind, right? So he doesn't really see things and these people are dead. He suddenly realizes that he's walking past
1: people, not yeah, right. And then uh, he picks up a faint heartbeat as well. Yeah. That is Well, first uh, of all,
0: yeah, like a meat like that whole that whole scene could have played as a very top-end horror movie. Easy. Oh, yeah, and it was just I mean, it was that the, the sound dynamics of 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 very much nothing but this yelling um, Spanish guy, the Spanish voice. I mean, and then, you know, there's empty gun uh, cases. It was just really suspenseful.
2: Yeah, because you don't know whether Daredevil is going to meet because, you know, the Punisher is coming, right?
1: You don't know yeah, well, if that, the Punisher is going to the- be down that hall, right? That's one of the things that they've said, you know, they keep saying, oh, it's an army, it's an army. And everybody who's watching it is thinking, no, it's not an army. We know exactly what's coming. Uh, that was one thing that kind of uh, removed a bit of the suspense because you knew that, yeah. you know, it's not, not what people are saying. But, by
2: the way, did you think the special effect about when he removes the barely living guy from the meat hook was just a little bit too realistic?
1: There was a lot, and not to go further in the season, but there's a lot of stuff in this season where you're kind of wincing just a little bit uh, more than I remember wincing in the previous season.
2: <clears throat> yeah, the first season seemed to be PG thirteen. This season is R. Uh,
0: yeah. Don, let me let me bring evidence of Wilson Fisk smashing a head in the door.
2: Oh, that's right. Yeah. But,
1: uh, <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that they show rather than just imply. I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're showing more of it this season. So, uh, so the next
2: cut is uh, that's the hospital scene with Karen and Grotto, where is that the next scene where uh, yeah, you finally well, he says see it's the not Punisher? Not they,
0: it's him. Yeah, it's him. It's not, and then immediate. Let's cut, and we have the walking boots. Um, through the hospital. Very dark hospital, by the way.
1: Yeah. The, I loved, there's the, a the, the scene as he comes in, um, he disarms a guard and he yes! takes his gun off him and throws it into the, the, the bin in one sort of smooth motion. Oh, it was and fantastic. And I just thought that was so well done that it stood out. And I wondered how many takes it took them to get that one. to look so smooth. <laughs> well, but he, he, didn't ki- he didn't kill the guard and he didn't, uh, you know he just knocks him out and throws the gun down which we
0: should have seen like as as a, a big moment but i think it gets overshadowed because we're all like oh boy here he is yeah
1: it was just in the rewatch because knowing what ha- comes later on when i rewatched it i i noticed you know and uh so karen goes on the run uh with grotto and there's like all this shotguns and everything and you have to think uh, that he is being very deliberate in his shots. Do you remember, what, by the way, when Karen gets
2: down to the street and she gets in the car and fumbling with the keys and, and she says it's a friend's car? Do you know who, who, what friend she meant?
1: Uh, I'm assuming it's Ben. The, yeah, it's the, Ben's car.
2: I went yeah. back and what? looked. <laughs> that's, yeah, ben that's Ben Yurik's like that car. Yeah, yeah, it's Ben Yurik's car. That's the one. Remember when they drove her and Urich in episode... I want to guess 10 when they drove to the nursing home to yes. find Wilson okay. Fisk's okay. mom. That's the car they were in. Wow. So I didn't go
1: back and check, but I, that was my assumption too, that it was yeah. his car.
0: And then we have kind of one of those, it, they they sometimes put these comic book um, uh, covers into the shots. And the one that I was reminded of was the Daredevil one where you have the punisher with a shot or um a sniper rifle and he's you know getting in position and it was very reminiscent of that the the, the man and the daredevil covers where you have you know just the the man in black with the skull now one thing i do want to touch on is that you know the punisher kind of has a i, I don't want to say a bad rep but um he's very much an anti-hero Oh, In yeah. every sense of the word, and I think for some people this could be a huge turnoff. And I, I say to them, don't stop watching and and get over yourself with th- this, because I I believe that they handle the Punisher probably as well as I've ever seen a character like him done.
2: And well, I think it's interesting. And what's important is they don't water him down either. Like they've done in other television or movie versions of him.
1: This is but he's, the real Punisher. He's painted very one note in this episode. You know, he's a sort of Terminator style killing machine. <clears throat> yes. And I think that's done deliberately, uh to contrast with what follows.
2: And and also Absolutely. to Also to get to the climax of the episode. I mean you know, Gramps don't marathon, but I did watch the second episode immediately <laughs> after the first in that case because i was like holy shit what hap- what just happened
1: <laughs> well it would be uh, a very short season if it just ended <laughs> like
2: that. that yeah so uh yeah but uh that was yeah so we guy. do
0: have the, we do yeah we do have a uh a, a, you know a, a great fight sequence between first the two fight
1: sequence really
2: yeah really and yeah, they but- haven't <laughs> missed a beat but it but it pales to the, the fight sequence at the end of episode three.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> which uh which topped the uh fight sequence uh from the first season at the end of episode two. So But we'll get to episode three. That's
1: that's fine things that I'm yeah.
2: spoiling things. But I gotta tell you, and um uh Elodie Young uh Elodie Young said this as well, that the choreography In this series, she's like never been involved with something that's this intense. And although the showrunners and a couple of the executive producers are not back this season, the fight coordinator, is the same person. Mm -hmm. And you can tell because it's the precision, the precise sloppiness of the fights is just very cons- you know what i mean it, it it has to look natural but you can't do a lot of those things to real actors and not actually severely injure them so uh, there's there's an there's an eerie precision but still realistic nature to these things i thought it was great i i thought the you know on the rooftop and uh, Daredevil coming, you know, just in the nick of time to smack the Punisher off aim. I thought that was all really good.
1: So. Yeah, but he, but after the fight, he misses the the gun that he's got hidden on his leg. Yeah, and uh, so we get the 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 episode title. He just says bang, shoots him in the face, and then he falls off the roof, and, and we get the credits. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's like what? Yeah, what? <laughs> I mean it was, it was like smash
2: cuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh like I said, even though I don't marathon, I had to watch the second one. I had to start it right there. That's when you're in Netflix and the screen comes up and they're doing the credits. And it's like screw the credits this time, play. <laughs> start the <other. laughs> And, and uh, see,
0: that's where that's especially when that happens. I, I somehow phase out, and the ten seconds go. And it's on to the next episode because these all, you know, move so fast into each other that, you know, if you started on Friday, on St. Maddie's Day, by Saturday, you could be done. Oh, yeah. I was, I, was
1: done, I was done on Sunday night. I took a bit of a break in the middle. But yeah, it was just the the when the Netflix thing comes up and it's like, well, if I do nothing, it's just going to play another episode. So yeah. I will just sit here and. Well, you know, the
2: insidious thing about Netflix is most of the machine learning, your taste stuff, you know, suggestions to you, I really hate. Like Amazon is forever making stupid suggestions to me when I go to the homepage about stuff I want to buy. But I got to tell you, I, you know, I'll log into Netflix and I'll, and it'll pop something up on the front. I'll go, yeah, that looks, that sounds good. And then I'm just watching a show. (laughs) I haven't seen before. So my my damn Netflix queue uh, is always filled with one or two episodes of like 50 shows, right? This is why I never get through anything, because I'm always intrigued by their suggestions. Damn them and their selection algorithm. Uh, The other thing uh, I must say uh, about Netflix is they did a really good job with dealing with the load of a show like Daredevil cuz i'm sure uh amazon web services was just hammered friday
1: night and saturday i had problems when jessica jones hit i tried watching almost as, oh, soon as really? as and uh i had it, it didn't last for long but there was a sort of 10 15 minutes and i just couldn't get stuff to play and it did seem that there was that it was load of everybody hitting it at once but well now they've made a big tech. Te-
0: yeah, they made a big technology change with that. They actually cache the way they kind of algorithmically they- know where who's gonna watch and when, and they actually cache it to their um open connect right and that- so they can put it
2: yeah it's basically it's predictive preloading is what they're doing uh now. And one of the things they learned from James was the Jessica Jones problem because there was a lot of stuttering with that one uh, mm. when it first came out. And I, I saw that too because I was trying to watch right away. But Daredevil, not a problem at all. Uh, season two anyway. Uh, you got to hand it to Netflix. So they've, they've got a team of very skillful propeller heads
1: uh, worrying about all this kind of stuff. And it, Can you know, I tell you what? Yeah. Can I tell you one thing you might not have thought of that um, one of the things that Netflix does that really nobody else does is when a series like Daredevil comes out, it comes out internationally day and day everywhere. So I can sit and I can watch it and I can be on a podcast talking about it. And uh, a lot of other shows, you don't get that. And it's just such a, that's one of the reasons that I'm happy to support Netflix because with all their, their original programming, they make it available worldwide. And that's exactly where I think, you know, TV should go generally.
2: Oh yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. You don't get that. uh, You don't get that from uh, Hulu or Amazon. Certainly. I know uh, my many Canadian friends are still, you know, they still don't get diddly-squat from uh, Amazon. Hulu only exists in like about, was it really yeah, five not, or six jurisdictions outside the United not,
1: States? It's certainly not in the UK, I don't think. No, no, it's not in the UK.
2: But uh, I, uh, my wife and I, by the way, uh, recently uh, cut the cord from cable uh, like a month ago. Uh, And the thing that really helped us along and convinced my wife, because she's a person, uh, much like her iPad, too, you know, holding on to it for years and years, uh, she doesn't like a lot of change. And it's really Netflix that helped convince her, yeah, the streaming thing is we've got to get rid of uh, cable television. Uh, You know, Netflix plus Amazon Prime plus Hulu plus a couple of other smaller minor services like CBS All Access. Uh, here in the United States you can you can basically give the finger to cable television and I wouldn't have believed that uh, to be possible but
1: we don't yeah, I say- mean we don't the Netflix catalogue in the UK isn't as big as the, the US catalogue for, for other shows um, and they've, they've also blocked any of the uh, tunneling solutions that might work around that recently uh, but the that the thing with their original programming it's all there and that's yeah. most of the stuff that I want to watch off Netflix anyway
0: well gents I'm going to tell you this has been an episode that uh, I will go down and mark down and say it's a it's a good one um, I'm so pleased to have you both here just to get your insights and information and I hope we can do it again soon for sure
1: I hope so too
2: Excellent. Don, it's been great having you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for the invite. I I love doing this cuz I you know me, I uh, I I'm a blabbermouth. So, and uh being <laughs> able to talk to James again. I mean, yeah. James and I talk talk quote, "air quote" talk on Twitter all the time, but we actually haven't <laughs> talked in like a year, right? <laughs>
0: yeah. So, see that's what that's what Hell's Kitchen is all about. Bringing people together. That haven't seen each other in a while and haven't talked.
2: Okay, well. Maybe uh maybe on an episode uh I'll do well enough in this one, you can invite me back on another one and we'll uh we'll get that uh that horse guy, uh uh Jason Snell uh adding his two cents on this. <laughs> and maybe even
0: that Canuck, uh what's his name? My arch nemesis.
2: Uh, oh yes, guy. Yeah.
1: Maybe we'll get him. So well, I was gonna uh, use the sorry, go on. Got, no go ahead go ahead. I'm just. I was just gonna. I was going because I had the quote saved up just in case I wasn't invited back. I was just gonna go. The therein lies the true pain. One and done. (laughs) Bang.